Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Welcome to Money for the Rest of Us. This is a personal finance show on money, how it works, how to invest it, and how to live without worrying about it. I'm your host, David Stein. Today is episode 329. It's titled, Meme Stocks, Short Squeezes, and Is There a Bubble? Yesterday on the Money for the Rest of Us Plus member forums, a member posted, My entire investing life, I've been following the general concepts, fire, boglehead mentality, passive index investing. It's done well for me, and I understand it analytically. Sometimes I varied my asset allocation based on conditions, which is why I like the Plus membership when I found it. I own a few individual stocks, but overall, I probably vary my portfolio less than David. For fun, the member continues, I've been a longtime reader of a internet stock picking site, but recently decided to dip my toes in the water, and it's been very profitable. The site is Wall Street Bets. It's a subreddit. It started in 2012, and it has 2.3 million members. The member continues, A few months ago, I decided to buy some calls on Tesla, based on the recommendations there, and sold after I made a 100% gain in less than a week. I could have made a lot more. Likewise, this week, I put only 1% of my net worth in GME, GameStop shares, and sold after a 50% gain in a couple of hours. It was up 70% at one point. There's plenty of posts of folks going up eight figures this year. Ridiculous action. So what to make of this? Part of me feels like the market is broken, but I'm in my mid-30s. Perhaps I'm just not old enough to understand if there is always an opportunity like this. I'm very aware that just like gambling, you can win big when you're in it for a small amount and then lose big when you decide to go all in. That's not my intention. But I can't help but pay attention to these gains and consider taking a percentage of my net worth and playing along. Or maybe the market is broken for a few months or years and I need to take advantage of this opportunity. For those who were old enough to live through the dot-com bubble, was it like this? This time it's different? That's a fascinating post and the topic of today's episode. GameStop has had unbelievable performance. Back in September, it was selling for $5 a share. Three weeks ago, $17 per share. Last Thursday, $43 per share. And yesterday, when, after reading this post, I pulled up GameStop and my brokerage, and it opened immediately up 50%, got as high as $159 a share yesterday, and then finally closed at $77 per share. GameStop operates 5,500 stores selling video games and consumer electronics. I think the last time I've been in GameStop was in 2006. My son and I were at the mall waiting outside, Black Friday, each at two different doors, 
when the doors opened, we made a mad dash to get to GameStop to purchase a Nintendo Wii. I was second in line, and we got it. Haven't been to the store since, I believe. Here's some financial data on GameStop that I pulled from the Almost Daily Grants newsletter. GameStop has been struggling. For the year ending January 2022, the company is expected to generate $5.6 billion in revenue and negative $114 million in free cash flow. Lose money, certainly on an earnings basis, but also negative cash flow. That compares to $9.3 billion in revenue and $483 million in positive free cash flow in fiscal 2016. The average price target of the four sell-side analysts, as noted in Bloomberg for the stock, the target price was $14. The stock has blown past that. What's going on here? Well, this member mentioned this Wall Street Bets website. This is a site that members have been promoting GameStop. And a lot of members have made a lot of money. I pulled up one screenshot by Dumbledore Roth IRA. This is when GameStop was at $108 a share. He wrote, I'm not selling this until at least $1,000 plus. Then he had four rocket ship emojis. He had a screenshot of his Robinhood app. His cost basis in GameStop was $49,000. He was up to $347,220. When GameStop started falling yesterday, Mr. Badmo posted on Wall Street bets, don't panic sell. It's numbers. They go up and down. You should be happy they're going down this fast as it means the squeeze is on its way. So hold the line. We, we still pumping into this rocket and it's about to take off and we won't be returning anytime soon followed by four rocket ship emojis. What does he mean when he says the squeeze is on its way? And how did that impact the price of GameStop? There's two types of squeezes that are involved here. One is a traditional short squeeze, which I'll describe first. And the second is known as a gamma squeeze. An investor can sell a stock short. And what that means is they borrow the stock shares and sell them and collect the proceeds. The bet is that the stock will fall in price. At some point, the short seller will close out their short by purchasing the stock back and then returning the borrowed shares. If during the interim, the stock fell in price, the short seller bought the stock back for a lower cost than what he or she sold the stock for and is able to keep the profit. This is all done through your brokerage account. The brokerages find these stocks to borrow as part of short sales. By default, most brokerage arrangements gives the brokerage permission to lend out shares of individual stocks and, and ETFs that you might own. You have the option of opting out of that, but that's the default. Here's the thing, though. Shares can be shorted more than once. If a short seller borrows shares and sells them, there's an investor on the other side of the trade that bought the stock that was sold. It's now in his or her brokerage account. And then the broker could lend out those shares as part of a short sale. And if there's particularly bearish sentiment for a stock, such as with GameStop, there can actually be more shares shorted than shares outstanding. And that's what occurred with this particular company. 
102% of the shares outstanding were part of short sales. And then if those heavily shorted stocks begin to climb in price above the price at which many short sellers sold the stock, then they begin to lose money and potentially could have unlimited losses if the stock keeps climbing. That forces short seller to go buy back the stock to return the borrowed shares. And that action of buying that stock, particularly if so many shares have been shorted, can push up the price of the stock even further. And that's what's known as a short squeeze. That's what occurred with GameStop. GameStop was also subject to a gamma squeeze, and this involves equity call options. An equity call option gives the holder the right, but not the obligation to purchase a stock at a specific price. And that specific price is known as the strike price. The call option buyer pays a premium or a fee to enter into the option contract. There's a seller or writer of that option on the other side of the trade, and they get to keep the premium, but they are also exposed if the stock increases above the strike price because the buyer of the option gets all the proceeds above the strike price. The seller or writer of the option has to pay out those proceeds. Now, if the current price of the stock is below the strike price, then that is known as being out of the money. But once the stock price is at or above the strike price, then it's in the money. What many participants, as well as others, on the Wall Street Bet website did was they bought out-of-the-money call options on GameStop. And what happens then when, when there's such a high volume, ideally for brokers or dealers that are making a market in options, there's somebody else on the other side of the trade willing to sell the call options. But if there's not, oftentimes that broker or dealer or market maker will write the options or sell the options on their own and then go out and buy the stock in order to hedge their position. If a broker or an individual sells a call option but also owns the stock, then they don't have any risk because as the stock price goes up, they participate in that. And then obviously the option becomes in the money as the stock price goes up. That's what covered call writing is. It's when an investor owns a stock and writes calls on it and is able to collect that income stream in the form of a premium. But in this case, because the volume was so high for these out-of-the-money call options, market makers were forced to go out and buy the stock, and that pushed up the price even higher. That's what's known as a gamma squeeze. It's option riders being forced to buy a stock in order to hedge their exposure. Meanwhile, you had all the short sellers purchasing the stock, driving up the price. Trading volume in GameStop on last Friday was 197 million shares, 20 times the one-year average turnover. Monday, there was 176 million shares traded. Volume in options has skyrocketed. Vishal Vivek, he's an equity derivative strategist, noted that trading volumes in U.S. options were almost as high as the volumes in the underlying stocks. And we're at the highest level in 14 years. Who was hurt by the jump in GameStop stock? Again, this stock was heavily shorted, mostly by hedge funds. 
such as Citron Research. Its founder, Andrew Left, posted a video last week with his bearish arguments. And if anything, it just motivated many of these Wall Street bet participants to buy even more out-of-the-money options and shares of the stock. Brandon Kochkudin, writing for Bloomberg, wrote, Give credit where it's due. In their frenzy, Wall Street bets cocky hordes have managed to turn the tables in a game short sellers invented, spinning gold from the complacency of others. Before this, GameStop was a cash register for the bearish traders who borrowed and sold more shares than the company issued. Hedge funds had been winning so long that they overlooked the tinderbox they were creating should sentiment turn. Andrew Left said in an email to Bloomberg, any rational person knows this type of trading behavior is short-lived. Yet it worked. GameStop jumped significantly in price. Another hedge fund that was short is Melvin Capital, who purportedly has lost 30% so far year-to-date and yesterday secured a $2.7 billion investment from two other hedge funds to help cover the losses and to keep the confidence of their existing hedge fund clients. Now, not everyone was bearish on GameStop. Michael Burry of the Big Short fame bought shares of GameStop back in 2019 for his hedge fund. Ryan Cohen, co-founder of Chewy Incorporated, bought 5.8 million shares of GameStop through his investment arm, RC Ventures, in August 2020. There has been thoughtful analysis on the Wall Street Bet forum, making a bullish case for GameStop over the past year or so. Here's one from nine months ago, titled GameStop, the biggest short squeeze of your entire life, posted by Senior Hedgehog. I'm here today to show you GameStop. I won't lose your time with a long thesis. Just a few key points while this is the biggest gainer of your life. Here is fuel for the thrusters. He points out the large percentage of shares that are shorted. He makes some other points that are positive toward gaming. He closes by saying, buy your calls and the stock far out of the money. It doesn't really matter. The thrusters are loading. On the Plus Member Forums, there was some discussion of, about the quality of research on Wall Street Bets. Nick wrote, the fascinating thing I see on Wall Street Bet is if you look deep enough and get past the vulgar and childish comments and posts, there is actually some deep research being laid out. Now, to be fair, you have to hunt it, hunt for it. But some posts lay out a seemingly sound thesis for the trades, not just on GameStop and BlackBerry or whatever flavor of the week. On top of that, they are encouraged, even dared, or forced to back up their analysis with action. They post screenshots of their trading apps. They have skin in the game. Before we continue, let me pause and share some words from this week's sponsors. If you've been using Mint to manage your finances, you know they shut down several months ago. Well, let me tell you about the budgeting solution, the financial tracking solution I've been using for the past number of months. It's Monarch Money. Monarch Money is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. You can create custom budgets like I've done. You can set goals, collaborate with your partner. And now you can get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com David. 
What I like about Monarch is the ability to customize what I want to see. I have custom budget categories, and then I can go on to the dashboard and see where I'm above trend on some of my spending. I especially like that Monarch will never sell your data to third parties or show you ads. After trying Monarch myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com David. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash David for your extended 30-day free trial. We have a brand new sponsor to our show. It's Yahoo Finance. Yahoo's been around for decades. My first email outside of work was a Yahoo email address. But the financial side, I've used on occasion primarily to get data for dividend histories for particular funds or ETFs. But I was pleasantly surprised to get back on Yahoo Finance to see how it's evolved over the years. Now it's really a financial dashboard where you can get an understanding of what's going on with the markets. There are relevant articles from Bloomberg, Reuters, the Associated Press, and the Yahoo Finance team. You can look at the economic events calendar and see which data series are being released that day and what the consensus is. You can see the pulse of the markets at any time by going to Yahoo Finance. In addition, you could see all of your investments in retirement accounts in one place. With Yahoo Finance, you get a consolidated view of multiple accounts. Yahoo Finance serves as a financial hub for your retirement accounts, but also comprehensive financial news and analysis. You need to check out Yahoo Finance, particularly if you haven't been there in a while. Check it out at yahoofinance.com. That's yahoofinance.com. Now, one of the questions is, is this legal? When I mentioned what was going on to my son, Brett, who works with me, he immediately said, no, it, it can't be. It reminds him of RuneScape, a massively multiplayer online role-playing game where different clans would get together in order to try to drive up the price of certain commodities in the game. And there does seem to be some coordination. Here's a post on Wall Street Bets from about nine months ago. We need a consensus on the next meme stock to buy mass amounts of out-of-the-money calls so we can pool our bet. Submit your pick for the ticker you feel is most likely to have unfounded growth in the near future so we can find our next rising star. Also, if this happens to be illegal, I don't know about it, so I'm safe. There's one element that is definitely illegal. This is from the Securities Act of 1934. Rule 10b-5, titled Employment of Manipulative and Deceptive Devices. It shall be unlawful for any person directly or indirectly, A, to employ any device, scheme, or artifice to defraud, B, to make any untrue statement of a material fact, or to omit to state a material fact necessary in order to make the statements made in light of the circumstances under which they were made not misleading, to engage in any act, practice, or course of business which operates or would operate as a fraud or deceit upon any person. All this in connection with the purchase or sale of any security. So it's illegal to make false statements and misleading statements about a particular company and its stock in order to profit from it. That doesn't mean investors can't share their views on a stock and its prospects, but it's the intent to mislead and to make untrue statements. 
The other aspect of this Exchange Act is that there needs to be fair and orderly securities trading, assuring the fairness of, of securities transactions and markets and protecting investors. That's where potentially there's an issue because of the coordination. Now, the Wall Street Bet moderators said, no, this is not coordinated. They posted yesterday, there is no organized effort by those of us who moderate this community to promote, advise, or recommend any stock. It is against our policy to do so, and we feel it is crucial to allow members to be able to share their ideas amongst each other with autonomy. If there's regulatory pushback, it could be because the SEC or the stock exchanges believes that Reddit is allowing for this coordination and that is leading to a disorderly market, particularly in options trading. Short sellers for decades have been writing detailed reports on why they believe a stock should fall in price and that its current price is unjustified. But now things have been flipped. Here's Scott Nations at Nation Indexes. He writes, the old game of shorting a stock, then putting out a negative report is done. From now on, that will just be the signal to start a massive short squeeze particularly if the amount of shares shorted is very close to the number of shares outstanding. We'll see if there ends up being some type of regulatory action against Reddit because of what's going on here. Assuming the statements being made are opinions and they're not intended to mislead, it's probably fine. Tracy Alloway of Bloomberg wrote about flows before pros. The simple premise here is that in an environment where flows matter more than fundamentals, flows being the demand to purchase these options or these stocks, irrespective of the value, the price to earnings ratio or the earnings of the company, she says, where the flows matter more than fundamentals, the guy trading stocks in his basement might be better equipped to judge where money is going next. He might have a better sense of the strength of a stock's particular story, for instance, than a portfolio manager wedded to valuation models. In a more than a little ironic turn of events, finance professionals are now chasing retail flows. The fact that individual investors can now trade on a commission-free basis, and it, and it is way easier now to coordinate those trades. Paul Kodrowski, the venture capitalist and a friend of mine, tweeted, one way to think about much of what is going on in the world, from Wall Street bets to populism to QAnon, is the collapsing cost of coordination and organization over distance and time. People are able to find, reinforce, and scale faster than countervailing forces act, which opens strange doors. That's what this member is saying. He's made money from ideas he's got off Wall Street bets. He's trying to decide what percentage of his net worth. Clearly, this is a speculation. We don't know what the right price is. There is no cash flow. The cash flow of GameStop is negative. There were a lot of posts on Wall Street bets about don't sell before it gets to 1,000. But what happens when the stock gets close to 1,000? Who's going to sell? These type of speculations can lead to momentum cascades where you get huge downward pressure as everyone tries to exit. That's the risk, which is why we can't put the bulk of our net worth in this type of trading activity because it is dependent 
on the flows and momentum and the story. Is this different than the dot-com bubble in 1999 and 2000 or the real estate bubble in 2005, 2006? Some think so. Seth Klarman, a value investor, one of the best value investors in the world, in my opinion, runs the Balpost Group, a $30 billion hedge fund. We used to invest with him when I was an advisor. He writes in his annual letter how frustrated he is about the current market environment, where he says the stimulus being deployed and then trying to figure out if the economy is in a recession is like trying to assess if you had a fever after you took a large dose of aspirin. He continued, but as with frogs in water that is slowly being heated to a boil, investors are being conditioned not to recognize the danger. I don't think things are as bad as the internet bubble or the housing crisis. There are clearly pockets of speculation. Bespoke Investment does something called the Ludicrous Index, and it looks at companies whose stock has doubled in price over the previous three months that are worth at least $500 million and that are trading at a price-to-sales ratio of 10 or higher. There are 79 of those companies on U.S. stock exchanges right now. There were 120 companies back in the year 2000 that had those same characteristics. So we're getting there, but we're not quite as bad. You're also not seeing leverage being as excessive now versus back then. Margin debt. It's at an all-time high, but as a percent of the overall size of the stock market, it's not. You're certainly not seeing the type of leverage that we saw in the housing bubble with households taking on massive mortgages and buying houses with them, second or third homes. That's not the case. Personal balance sheets are actually fairly strong because of the stimulus. Overall, household savings are up. And the other difference between now and the internet bubble and the real estate bubble is interest rates are so low. And so if we compare the valuation of stocks, in this case, the earnings yield, which is the inverse of the price-to-earnings ratio, and then compare it to the real yield on the 10-year U.S. Treasuries, yields backing out inflation, it's still fairly positive. This is data from Capital Economics. Their earnings yield back in the year 2000 was less than the real yield on 10-year Treasuries. And it seems, if I'm remembering correctly, that back in the internet bubble, in the housing bubble, way more people were excited about it. You're certainly seeing more excitement about Bitcoin. But in terms of overall stocks, the frenzy just doesn't seem to be there yet. The other advantage is we have more of a tailwind with the economy as the economy opens back up following COVID as, as the vaccine becomes more widely distributed. That doesn't mean there are not assets that are extremely speculative in a bubble. But across the entire equity sector, particularly non-U.S., we're not at those bubble levels yet. Now, should you participate in these short squeezes and other meme stocks from Wall Street bets? Perhaps do so carefully. Have a plan to only allocate a certain percent of your capital. Momentum is a real thing. And the flows is a real thing. But in some ways, it's like a rocket ship. You just have to know when to get off. Have in your mind, I'm going to sell at a certain price. 
and be willing to lose as much as you invest because things can go backward very, very quickly. John Kenneth Galbraith, the economist, wrote in his 1975 book, The Great Crash of 1929, it is the nature of a speculative boom that almost anything can collapse it. One of the things that definitely could collapse it is rising interest rates. And this gets to the point that Seth Klarman made in his annual letter in a topic that we discussed back in episode 315, are we being forced to buy stocks? The value of a cash flow generating asset is the present value of its future cash flow or the value today of its cash flows going out into the future, be it dividends or earnings. In order to take those future cash flows into the present, we apply a discount rate. The discount rate is essentially the same as the expected return. So we take those future cash flows, bring them into the present. The higher the discount rate, the lower the present value and the higher the expected return. But as interest rates have fallen, present value or the value of those assets or stocks has gone up. That's the way the math works. And because that discount rate has fallen, the expected return has also fallen because the more expensive an asset is today, the lower its future return. Klarman writes, when it comes to the value of cash flows, the vast and limitless future yet to unfold has gained considerable ground on the more firmly anchored present. It's so tempting to assume a company that's doing well will continue to compound those cash flows at really, really high rates. But often these companies eventually disappoint. Usually they eventually disappoint and then you get the downward cascade. So that's kind of where we are with the market. The high valuations are being supported by very, very low interest rates. We don't see the same level of frenzy and debt, at least bubble mania, in my opinion, that I saw that we saw back in 2000 during the internet bubble, as well as the real estate bubble. But we could get there as we hear more and more stories about people making the kind of money that some members of Wall Street Bets have made with some of these short squeezes on these stocks that traditional Wall Street investors hedge funds have been very bearish on. The retail investor has taken revenge on professional investors, and it's been really fascinating to watch, but be very, very careful if you choose to participate. That then is episode 329. Thanks for listening to the episode. If you would like to learn more about investing, there's two ways I can help with that. First, consider signing up for my Insider's Guide email list. This is an email I send to listeners where I preview that week's podcast episode, include the show note links, and share an article on money, investing, and the economy, as well as other valuable content. It's free, and you can sign up for that at moneyfortherestofus.com. Second, if you would like some additional guidance in building and managing an institutional quality portfolio, Money for the Rest of Us Plus can help you with that. Money for the Rest of Us Plus gives you access to professional-grade portfolio tools, training, and a community to help you stay on track, tune out the noise, and grow your wealth with confidence. There are model portfolio examples that will help jumpstart your investing. You can see how I'm investing and all the trades that I make, and you get access to video lessons that will help you step-by-step to create an investment portfolio that will help you achieve your financial goals. 
You can learn more about Money for the Rest of Us Plus at moneyfortherestofus.com. Everything I've shared with you in this episode has been for general education. I'm not considered a specific risk situation. I've not provided investment advice. This is simply general education on money, investing, and the economy. Have a great week. 